This station is being brought to you via Nolsoft Shoutcast streaming technology. For more information, visit shoutcast.com. StarWarsIndirect.com StarWarsIndirect.com There you will listen to Star Wars Indirect, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Star Wars Indirect is a proud member of the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, TSFPN.com. Star Wars on Direct is brought to you by SimpleNet. With SimpleNet, obtain a low-cost advertising for your company or, quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Star Wars on direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And obviously enough, I'm not hearing myself in my headphones, but that's totally normal. That's because it's me. And I didn't clear <laughs> my ears yesterday. Okay, here we go. Uh, as usual, I'm uh, joined by my friend Danny here and Hello. the sexy beast of the team. <laughs> yes, what? <laughs> Ryan himself, that's All right. right. What's the joke? <laughs> I, I know I missed something here. <laughs> yeah, uh, are we getting fan email again? Yes, we are. There's like ten girls who want to sleep with you again. Well, that's normal. But they're sixteen, so we told them we're sorry, but you're too young. 
Sixteen's okay. <laughs> Aren't you? That sounds horrible. Sixteen is okay. Yeah, it sounds extremely horrible. We're gonna get like really bad fan mail after this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, welcome to this July 26th, 2005 edition of Star Wars on Direct. The main subject of tonight will be Anticipation, the real-life story of Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Are you receiving messages, Brian? Yes, I am. Isn't that cool? Interesting messages. That's right. Are they pertaining to the show? Yes, they do. All right. Then we'll hear all about our fans later on when they'll contact us through MSN. Of course, you sh- you'll have the polls collecting news, some fan audio release news. Nope. There's no fan audio There's release news. It's, it's uh, like... Actually, yeah, not in mine. <laughs> yes? Yes. Well, not in mine. It doesn't matter, boys. We're, we'll have the community well, update and like a full review of T-Track from me. And right now, Brian, the sexy beast of the team, is going to tell you how you can contact us. Obviously, you can contact us by email at studio at swndirect.com. You can reach us through our. Uh, you can get our Star Wars on Direct newsletter. You can hop into our chat. You can get on our webcam. You can listen to, to us live. You can, and you can get to our blog, and and the message board all through this one really cool spa- web page. It's called Star Wars com. So, also you can get us through MSN Messenger at swndirect at hotmail dot com. And that's it. All right. Well, we want to warn you that uh, we are still using our good old same sound card, so it may crash during the show, but worry not, gentle lads and gentle ladies, because we will be back in a few minutes after the broadcast, and uh, we'll just be keeping up where we were. So you don't have to worry about this, and uh, if Danny doesn't put on any more music like he did for Brian, then we probably shouldn't have any problem. No, we should. There's only uh, Stormtrooper Bob. There's so only Stormtrooper Bob. Bob so again. So it might crash anyway. So but let's knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, like I said during the last show, we are available on iTunes in uh, podcast art and entertainment science fiction and uh, since yesterday or the day before all the archives of Star Wars on Direct are available on iTunes so if you're subscribed you can download the file from there and the upcoming if you set up properly you can update uh, all the upcoming file directly to your computer wow that's a lot of files you just checked? I just looked at it. That's a lot. And it's also a lot of bandwidth, so please download Mother Responsibly. Responsibly. <laughs> Responsibly. All right. Jeez. That's going to cost a lot of money. I better pay the count last month because they're going to get on my back. <laughs> so, did any of you guys saw any movies? Nope. 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 We should do something like this weekend, or s- <laughs> go not, see a movie, or I'm whatever. not here again. Off. Any personal related? St- I, I love the way you just put it. That's like movie or Star Wars personal related stuff. Well, I, I began uh, the Joiner King Darkness One, the Joiner King. Gotta put it on the webcam. Yay! Love the webcam, which is now back into uh, our studios. So it's Troy Denning's book. Yes. All right. And we'll be back to that like further later yes. in the show. What's it's the special bonus inside? It's uh, Elysia, oh. the the ebook that they forgot to put in a paperback. 
at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that's it's it. like like two that's three, just three years ago, even farther. Yeah, that's it. But the book is actually like 526 pages. That's for a paperback, it's pretty big for a Star Wars book. Let's be honest, folks, it looks like a brick. Not quite. But it's green and it's nice, so mm. I'm just going to go buy it. If we have time, I will list the, the, the dramatist persona. The dramatist persona. Which is all the, the main all characters. All the characters into yeah. it. Yeah. So maybe later. Brian, would you like to tell us who's with us right now in the chat room? Actually, why don't you do that, Danny? Okay. There's Bloodcat, Delos, Ikasra, Frizior, and Tiger Claw. Not a lot of people tonight. And Kitristo's joining soon. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> Sebastian distracted me when I, when I got in. Okay, are you ready for your pulse, however? Oh, I am, of course. I'm always ready for that. So, Danny, give us the go. <laughs> Master Fisto, trust your insight, we do. Welcome to the Pulsar this week of uh, July 26th, 2005. I have a new universe preview for you this week. It is the Dark Trooper Phase 3, which was in the uh, Dark Forces video game. And uh, it's, a big, it's a big figure, and it should be really cool. Also... Today, I do believe, the uh, Revenge of the Sith DVD release date was officially announced, so it will be coming out on November 1st. Also, uh, there's going to be a new full-length documentary on the DVD, and then two, f- two futurettes that explore. One that explores the prophecy of Anakin Skywalker, and the other that goes over the amazing stunts. There are also going to be um, the web documentaries that you got on Hyperspace, making of Episode 3, and you'll also be able to have a two-level playable demo of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Very cool. Also, I probably cannot play it on my PC, but... I think it'll probably be for the Xbox. Oh. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Of course. Damn yeah. Xbox. <laughs> Damn Xboxers. Come on, okay. guys. PlayStation 3 is coming out. <laughs> or the Xbox 360. Xbox yeah. 360. The words I would use to describe this system are not allowed on this show. <laughs> That's not true. Yes, it is. Ouch. Those are some harsh words, Sebastian. <laughs> anyway, we've also heard news that the Star Wars TV show has been unofficially pushed back. Yeah. It was supposed to be, um, you know, full-blown production to start in 2006, but we're hearing more and more that it probably won't even start till 2008. Yeah, that's what Steve Sanswit mentioned in the uh, Spectacular. He said the animated series would begin in fall 2007, and the live show would be only after that. Yeah, so we've got so a while to go. Way, way back. And they were reconsidering you know, the, the era and the time frame, so what no. George said, not necessarily uh, will go. This so is you know, this is the wonderful world of Star Wars, and this concludes the poll. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> On to the connecting news.
And again, some more delicious collectibles from the Star Wars celebration are being auctioned for are being auctioned for charity. The DC Metro Area Star Wars Collecting Club, aka DCSWCC, is auctioning four of the patch set giving out given out at Celebration Three to benefit the Uni- United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. Sets were donated by club members, and the winners of these four auctions will also receive a UMDF Energy for Life wristband. So this is actually from Galactic Country. And another really cool thing that was posted just like before the show is some really nice pictures of something that's almost relevant to this show. Almost. Because they actually called their news Meet Joe Black. And Meet Joe Black was one of the movies that actually had that the I first stuck trailer. To see the first trailer, yeah. A second time. <laughs> <laughs> For Star Wars Episode One. And uh, basically, it's uh, just the, the 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 fact that they're coming up with a black uh, pilot for uh, the Star Wars black action Republic. figures. Yeah, a Black yeah, Republican black pilot. Stuff, right? It's 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 black armor, black helmet, black everything, and uh, some some really shiny boots. And uh, I just posted the image into the. Uh, the chat room and another image I'm going to post right now thanks to our friends at Galactic Hunter is the evolution of the pilots from the clone pilot all the way to the to the AT AT driver pilot which is really nice congratulations these guys are really nice into what when it comes to collecting news and the AT RT driver will be uh, coming in, coming in uh, the stores will be will arrive on July 2005 at should be around six dollars US, and it has a very big blaster, and you can also mount it on the ATRT. I love the ATRT. So it's a mounted gun. There you go. It can only combine fire with gunners. Yes, which is a real bitch. But as you as you'll soon as you'll soon learn, my young apprentice, I now have obtained another gunner, and there are, are now two gunners that can combine fire with my blaster. We're now discussing uh, Star Wars miniatures on this oh show. Okay, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Danny was kind of looking, kind of weirded out at us. It's like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> Combined fire? What the hell? But yeah, that's right. I've got a new team and all that I know. Managed to put together this week, this past week. Well, I was on holiday. Weebie. All right. Well, what do you know? Comic Con Leia is available online. What a surprise! For those of you who actually would like to get your hands on one of these uh, wonderful Comic-Con Leia, they're available at $14 until July 25th. Hey, wait a second. That was yesterday. <laughs> at StarWarsShop.com. So basically... Uh, it's because it actually came back in stock and it's out of stock again. So that's why so I'm So basically, it. you will be able to have any exclusive on the internet, basically. Yeah, the fun. internet is amazing. Don't mock the internet. It's don't mock the internet. Yeah, you're right because we're actually airing this show on the internet. There you go. But you guys do realize that the internet is just an, like a figment of our imagination, and it does not it's exist. It's the Matrix. No, it's not. It doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, into the community update. No, because I want to mention something else. Did you hear about the Star Wars Transformers? Yes, we we actually mentioned it like three weeks ago. Did you add the list? I didn't add the list. 
You get a Luke Skywalker that transforms into an X-Wing fighter. What the hell? And you get Darth Vader transforming in a TIE fighter. A General Grievous transforming in a wheel bike. Obi-Wan Kenobi transforming in a Jedi Starfighter. Boba Fett transforming in a Slave 1. Darth Maul transforming in a Sith Infiltrator. Anakin Skywalker transforming in a Jedi Starfighter. A Snow Trooper transforming in an ATST, a clone trooper transforming in an ARX-170 fighter, Emperor Palpatine transforming in a Star Destroyer, the hell, <laughs> and Jango Fett in Slave 1 also, plus the Star Wars choppers. You know how uh, the chopper show on, on TV are popular? Yeah. They will do Star Wars choppers. So basically you will have Darth Vader's Imperial Chopper, Luke Skywalker Rebel Chopper and Boba Fett's Bounty Chopper. Come on. Well, I did. Hey, I did, hey, say, about, <laughs> I did right. say about six months ago that it would be a good idea to send a speeder bike to uh, like Paul Tuchel Jr. Yeah. to the Orange County crew and just like see what they could come up with for Star Wars. Uh, apparently, somebody heard me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, the, the shows are so much popular. So, well. That's, that's when we actually thank you, King, for doing all those shows on the Discovery Channel and doing this great job at promoting Star <laughs> Wars through choppers. <laughs> but also, the Transformers, I mean, it's kind of obvious. Hasbro, you know, has to keep the line fresh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to have a lot of crap out there. And okay, they cancel the Unleash. Can, can so, you, keeping can the line fresh. Um, can yeah. you please explain to me why they can have over 50 Darth Vaders, but they can only have so many Optimus Primal. Optimus Prime. Prime. Yeah. And Primal. Both. Like from Beast Wars. But... I don't know. It's just sad. Maybe because (laughs) the Transformer movie will be coming out next year? Yeah. No. No? Yeah, 2007. Okay. That's right. But I, I cannot imagine... How can you make a Luke Skywalker that look like Luke and can transform into an X-wing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it's out. I I can't think of it. Oh. I'm just gonna come back on the Star Wars Clone Wars Volume Two DVD. Okay. Have we been confirmed of a date that was before November first? No, no. Since we just said uh, before the end of the year. That's it. Uh, and Everything it will be probably it's actually November 1st. Uh, it's actually pointing right now towards December 6th, which is after the release of the movie on DVD. Okay. Which is kind of stupid and sad, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, they should release it together. Well, before. Or before. Or before, like, yeah. You know, my birthday is like... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you could put it like on the, ninth, on the 18th, 23rd. On the 18th or something. You like want them to bl- my publish earlier just for you? Yes, just for me, because yeah. I'm just that special. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I should go into, like, sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be a meeting of the Killing Fan Force on Saturday, August 6, 2005 at 1 p.m. at the Irish Dragon Pub in the Killeen Mall. Address is uh, 21 
100 Southwest Young Drive Suite in Killeen, Texas. Yes, they are Texan. They are meeting in a, bu- in a pub, but a pub is actually a very nice family place to go. And they're actually ex- going, probably going to go see uh, a movie or something like that. And they're going to be talking about all things like costuming and collecting and all that. So, if you're for, if if you're in the Killeen area, feel free to go and see them. The Shenandoah what sector fan force? Shenandoah. 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 Do we pronounce the the A? Yeah. Or should we just say Shenandoah? Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, sector fan force. <laughs> there's there's in in English H is not. Uh, I know why H. Uh, oh okay. Shenandoah. <laughs> Sector Fan Force will be having their <laughs> August meeting on Saturday, August 6th as well, at 1 p.m. at the Daily Grind on Main Street in Front Royal, Virginia. Uh, come on out and see what they're all about, and uh, feel free to drop by their boards for more information. Also, this coming weekend, July 29th to the 31st, will be the Fan Forcers and Star Wars fans across the world in an effort to boost... Revenge of the Sith standing at the box office weekend. Basically, go see Revenge of the Sith this weekend with your fellow fan forcer because it's the weekend to do so, even though StarWars.com won't give us anything special for doing it. Except recognition of the fact that we did sometime in the future far, far away. How's that? Mm-hmm. And now you see... I've got like Ecaster sending me message message that the trailer for V for Vendetta is now out. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. It's pretty good. V for Vendetta WarnerBros.com slash trailer. And that department seems to be very good in that in that movie. It's a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be Beep. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a very interesting movie. So for those of you interested in the further uh, career of Miss Portman and other. Very nice actors. You can go to vforvendetta.com. And uh, Starfest will be coming in in a few months. And uh, that's a, it's actually on December 4th or 6th. Let me get back to this. December 4th. Yeah. Uh, Riverside Ice and Leisure Center in Victoria Road in Essex. That's in California, if I'm not mistaken. No, right? no, no. It's in, in Britain. Essex, Britain? All right, the UK, UK, the other CO.UK. You're right, CO.UK. Who wants to slap me for that? Brian, you're the closest. There you go. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> you just <laughs> have, you just have to, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I need a slap. Yeah, you just need a big slappy trout, yeah. a trout slapping something. So anyhow, Dermot Crowley and Richard Lepermantien, Barry Holland. Femi Taylor, Gary Kagan, John Chapman, Steven Spear, Jerome Blake, Shane Rimmer, John Coppinger, Phil Hapleton, Christian Simpson, Ian Liston, Helza Burke, Han Jensen, Richard Bonahill, Christine Hewitt, Peter Burroughs, Gerald Holm, Tim Dry, and Sean Crawford will all be present at the Starfest. Cool. That's like I'm sure there will be others that's coming. Like and almost... As big listing as uh, Star Wars Celebration 3. But they're not as... I said almost. Yeah. But basically you can say that the entire uh, X-Wing squadron is going to be there. (laughs) 
most of the imp- the Im- the empire is going to be there, and there's a whole lot of bunch of people from the cantina that will be there, <laughs> and Jabba's palace. So it's a show not to miss because mm. it's a lot of behind the scenes people that are really cool to meet. Yes. And there will probably be panels and whatnot from Star Wars, especially since and there's fan films and art competition going on and model making competition going on and costume competition going on. So for more information, I invite you to go to www.starfest.co.uk to enter and win, because you never know. All right, this concludes community update. the community update, and we will do the tea trick after the interview. Will we? Hey, we will. <laughs> well, let's just no. Let's just keep it short and say that it was really cool. We had tons of fun again this this year, and we had this wonderful uh, geek of Star Wars uh, trivial pursuit kind of thing going on, and it was hilarious. And we're most definitely going to do it again next Did year. Did you found competition? Well, I was actually one of the judges because no, I'm that's just it, that, but uh, that big a geek. But you know? the winner is E your caliber. Not even, but. Not even okay. close. <laughs> it's okay. She Try actually it. she actually won the the geek of and the entire thing because of Stargate. Okay. So ah. yeah. So what's next? I can't know everything. Well, next, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be uh, listening to Stormtrooper Bob number five boarding party, and uh, we'll have a short sponsor break, <coughs> and we'll be right back. With the order of anticipation, true life story of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Jonathan L. Bowen, right after this short time period, a. Eh? Hi, this is Darian Blade from www.jedi-talk.com. Be sure to join us for our show every Sunday night live, where you can listen to the latest Stormtrooper Bob. Join us for our trivia contest. Listen to live interviews with authors like Michael Stackpole or Kevin J. Anderson. Also, a full two hours of Star Wars talk every week. So, remember, dark side or light, join us Sunday night. The Adventures of Stormtrooper Bob, Episode 5, Boarding Party. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Stormtrooper Bob's squad, through some strange twist of fate, has become Darth Vader's personal shock troops. After a week of cleaning up recently retired Imperial officers' bodies, courtesy of Darth Vader, off the Bridge of the Vengeance, Bob and his squad get called to the hangar bay. Darth Vader himself has briefed Stormtrooper Bob's squad that they are to assist in the boarding of the Tentative Five. Um, uh, excuse me. What? Um, it was actually the Tentative Four. Fine. Darth Vader himself has briefed Stormtrooper Bob's squad that they are to assist in the boarding of the Tentative Four and help search for the plans to an Imperial secret project. We now join Stormtrooper Bob's squad as they wait to board the Tentative 4. Holy jeez, did you see the size of that Vader, eh? Why, he sure is a big one. Oh, his head's a lot like Sputnik, round and sharp in places. Oh, I love his cape. It's Look how it flows. Oh, I have this pink cape trimmed with Nerf fur, and it's just 
fabulous. Do you think they'll let me wear it? I'll have to ask that lieutenant. Uh, no, I, I don't think they're going to let you wear that, Francis. Uh, where the heck did you find a pink cape with Nerf fur? No, ne- never mind. I do not want to know. Now, we got ourselves a dangerous mission here, so you two got to knock off the chatter. We got to get ready for this. Oh, you'll have to excuse me. I have to go to the little trooper's room. Permission granted, Angus, to use the facilities. And remember to ventilate this time. The last person who walked in after you was still in a coma. No kidding, eh? Last time was kind of like chemical warfare training. Oh, yeah. Don't fall in, you knob. Okay, troops. Form up behind squad one. First squad, move in, move in. Second squad, eight. Oh, the firing stopped. Okay, squad, move in. Lewis, what what are you doing? Oh, uh, th- this knob right here, uh, he owed me 20 credits from uh, a Sabbath game. Uh, I'm just collecting it. You're rifling his pockets. I didn't even know we had pockets. Quick, Vader's coming. Everybody at attention. Hey, Bob. Oh, hey, Vader. You, you still coming to the Sabbath game on Friday? Wouldn't miss it. Sir? Sir? Yes, I see you two? Sir, apparently Lord Vader wants us to help board the Tantative Four. I see you two. Where are we right now? Uh, sir, I... I don't understand the question. Never mind, ICU-2. What are we doing after we board the Tentative 4? We are search the ship and find and prevent anyone from escaping. Alright, you heard him. Move out. Bob and his squad start searching the ship. <laughs> Look at that pair of droids. Looks like a golden lightning rod and... Holy jeez! Look at that other one! I bet we could make a keg out of him, eh? Look, just put a tap on his head. Right there where that uh sensor is. And then we just like empty out like all the circuits that like make him smart and just like keep the motor, eh? So then he can move. We can, like fill him up with lum and he's a mobile keg, eh? I believe the small one is an R2 series astromech droid, and the tall gold one is a cybernetic protocol droid. Shut up, I see you two. No one's listening to you. Hey, they're getting into that escape pod. Do you think we should stop them? Nah, our orders didn't include no droids. After letting the two droids get away in the escape pod, Bob's squad continues their search of the ship. As they turn the corner, they see a young woman with a blaster. Hey, there's someone. Hey, what is she wearing? Oh my god, look at her hair. That is it. Here come the fashion police. I got her. Oh, great shooting you, hoser. You knocked her out. Now we're neck deep in bantha dung, you knob. Oh no, here comes Captain Corpus Sunus. Ah, good, you caught her. We were afraid she would get away. Good idea stunning her too, Bob. That way she won't struggle. Uh, thanks? Listen, Lord Vader wants you to get to Transport Dock 2. Apparently, an escape pod got away, 
and we need to track it down. Bob's squad moves to Transport Bay 2. Sir, do you think we'll be recovering the escape pod with the two droids we were chasing? <laughs> no. How many, how many escape pods do you think launched, ICU-2? What, 40, 50 taps? Uh, sir, there's only a report of one escape pod launching. Shut up, ICU-2, you floating trash can. Oh, well, I hope it is those two droids. Because if I get my hands on that little one, boy, howdy, I'm getting a keg. Man, I know this one engineer down in uh, Deck 12. Man, he's really good with his hands. I tell you, if I give him that 50 credits that I got off that knob back in the hallway and just give it to him, he'll make me a keg. 50 credits? I thought you only got 20 off him. Well, yeah, never mind. Just shut up. No, really, it'd be easy to make a keg out of him. Really, all we have to do is just get him, pull off that top dome right there. It's kind of blue. I like the blue. All we need to do is, like, buff it to a high gloss, and it'll be all cool. And then we could maybe, like, put a disco ball on top. Yeah, a disco ball. Get some lasers on the sides, and it'll be it'll be crazy. It'll be like a, a moving party, eh? be awesome. Will the squad find the escape pod? Will Angus ever get back from the bathroom? Will Bob realize he could have squashed the rebellion by stopping two droids? Probably not. But join us next week anyway with more adventures from Stormtrooper Bob! Stormtrooper Bob was brought to you by Stun Gun. When you're tired of hearing your kids whine, set it to stun. StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio on the Internet. It's your home for Star Wars Fan Audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas. With behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an Internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars Fan Audio community, and the only Fan Audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. Galactic Hunter, the place where you can find the latest Star Wars collectible news from all around the world. From the Hasbro and Kenner lines of action figures, to comics, games, prop collectibles, and events, everything is covered and reviewed. Join our fan community in the Bounty Hunter Collective forums and find all your bounties at www.galactichunter.com. Galactic Hunter, keeping collectors on target. Every collector deserves the best. That's why our main goal at Federation Toys is to guarantee the highest quality items for the lowest prices. Yes, of course. Come by Federation Toys for Star Wars collectibles. Satisfaction, Derek. Yes, Viceroy. Roger, Roger.
All Star Wars and direct listeners will get a 5% discount on their purchases. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. back to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom, who really, really likes Steve Sansweet's participation to Lucasfilm and fan relations. Brian, who's in the chat? We have Bloodcat, Casra, Frizior, and Tigerclaw with us tonight. Alright, cool. well, that's a bunch of people that will be actually much more interested with the actual science, I might I might say, behind the Star Wars Episode 1. I say science, it's... it's It's not really science. It's actually social uh, sociology or sociology, uh, sociology, social uh, impact, social impact. Uh, yes, Th these people will be like much more interested into that afterwards. So tonight we have none other than Jonathan L. Bowen, who's a 22-year-old Star Wars fan and writer who first became interested in the Phantom Menace after the Star Wars Special Editions filmed at theaters in 1997. He began collecting every media mention of Episode 1, as did I, as it was known at the time, and placing the articles in binders with protective sheets for personal archiving. I cannot believe this guy actually ripped the articles out of the out of, out of the uh, the papers or anything. <laughs> so before long, just a few binders became, became more than 33-inch binders full of more than 1,500 articles from over 100 different sources. The research project, originally started just for fun, soon became an untitled book. After years of research and writing, anticipation became a full 80,000-over-word manuscript. Although Anticipation originally was to come out before Attack of the Clones, the road to publication took longer than expected and eventually came true iUniverse Incorporated. So, Star Wars on Direct tonight welcomes Jonathan L. Bowen, the writer of Anticipation, the real-life story of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> so this little bit was actually taken from your website... And just for our listeners' uh, informational uh, hazard, we can tell you, we can say that it's www.anticipationbook.com. It's a very nice uh, mounted website, which actually links to your other websites, which is Orbital Reviews. Right. And you've been doing reviews for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, quite some time. I think for about five years now, I guess. So, Jonathan. The first question we always ask our guest here on Star Wars on Direct is to tell us a little bit about themselves and how they actually became involved in all the Star Wars fandom thingies that they are involved now in today. Basically, you're you're one of the Star Wars writers now, even though probably not officially recognized by Lucasfilm. Right. <laughs> But in the in the eyes of the fans, you are. Sure. 
So, go ahead. Okay. Um, I guess uh, I, I first sort of, yeah, I first became a Star Wars fan with Special Edition. And I guess I've sort of always been the type of person who just, you know, couldn't throw things away when, when I have them. So it's like I get all these articles, and, you know, I find them all very interesting. So I start just basically, yeah, actually cutting them out of the papers and, you know, putting them on in, like, protective, um, I don't know, sheets and whatnot. And I'm just kind of building this collection up, and, you know, I guess like a lot of fans, just kind of cling to any piece of news I could get about Phantom Menace or Episode One as it was for so long. And, you know, then I've... Uh, I've got, like, this whole collection, you know, everyone's giving me a tough time, like, why are you keeping all this, what are you going to do with it, and, you know, then it kind of occurred to me that maybe it might actually be fun to write a book on it, but I was so young, of course, it was not a lot of people could actually take me seriously, but, uh, <laughs> including my parents, but <laughs> I figured I'd, you know, I'd give it a go anyways, um, so I kind of became involved in uh, the whole, uh, you know, like, I basically started doing movie writing first me for um, my eventual Star Wars book, and that kind of got me um, into, like, you know, my my critical review website and um, some freelance opportunities. So uh, then, you know, I started work on the book and kept collecting the articles, and pretty soon, um, you know, I'd, I'd actually finish the thing, <laughs> but it took a while. <laughs> so, to, just so that, so, so that we're clear on this, you're 22 years old today. Right. So you were 16 when you actually collected all the information about Star Wars Episode One. Right, yeah. The research started when I was like uh, 16, almost 17. Wow. So a lot of hope in, in that young 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of opinions and a lot of, uh, <laughs> a, a lot of you know, brashness, but enough intelligence to, you know, collect the facts and, um, you know, hope to put them together later. <laughs> Did you did you collect anything else than uh, the papers and articles? Um, yeah, the first I started collecting Star Wars merchandise um, when I was, I guess, I guess I must have been about fourteen, and I had a. I, I think one of the first things I bought actually was um, the Luke lightsaber from Icons, like a the official prop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Master replicas has since taken over and, and done a really good job. And now I'm a I'm a pretty loyal Master Replicas customer. I have like pretty much everything that they've done from Star Wars. Wow. A couple, but most of most all of it. <laughs> so I also like I also love uh, Star Wars art, like lithographs or um, you know posters are fine, but I, I kind of prefer more limited stuff or like signed posters. Okay. Cool. Always fun. All right. <laughs> so what really was your first Star Wars experience? Was it the January release of uh, A New Hope? Well, I, yeah, I think that was my first experience, like, in, in a way, like, as a fan. I mean, I'd seen the movies, you know, 25, 30 times when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I'd pop in Return of the Jedi, like, all the time. And uh, I'd, I'd certainly, like, I'd own action figures when I was a kid. I'd actually forgot about that until I looked through some boxes and found, like, a bunch of old, you know, action figures. And I thought, well, I didn't even know I had these until I, like, started looking through this. But I think my first real experience was, um, it was like Saturday of opening weekend um, with A New Hope uh, Special Edition. And I, I really wanted to see it. I mean, it, I wasn't like, um, you know, I, I wasn't like in a rush to see it opening day. But we got there to the theater at like, uh, I think, 1.30. And they said they were sold out until the 10.20 show. And I was pretty impressed because, you know, here's like a re-release of a film that everyone's already seen or has on home video. And we can't even buy tickets to the thing until, you know, eight hours later. 
And when we get there, I think I was just, I, I was totally surprised because so many people had costumes on and there was so much, you know, energy in the theater. And I, I just really didn't know that, you know, anything like that existed. Like, I didn't even know that there was, like, a Star Wars fan base. I just thought, oh, well, people like Star Wars. But I didn't know, like, that it was, like, a, you know, so well established. And so that, to me, was, like, a big moment because at first I thought, you know, who are these crazy people with all these costumes? <laughs> and then I actually, you know, I, I watched the movie and it was just, like, it, it was like I had never seen the movie before. It was, like, the first time I'd seen it because it just seemed so different. And after that, I was a Star Wars fan. <laughs> after that, did you see the premieres? Um, yeah, I, I was definitely at opening day for Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi Special Edition. Okay. I was very much looking forward. I remember when they pushed Return of the Jedi uh, Special Edition back a week. That was, it just totally ruined my day. <laughs> like, man, I want to see it now. <laughs> All right. Uh, was the book Anticipation the, the, the first actual uh, manuscript as, uh, work you've never done? Um, yeah, it, it, is, it was the first. Um, I've actually only since then I've, I have an unfinished manuscript that probably will always remain unfinished, but I'll, I'll work on other projects. <laughs> it was the first, though. Okay. So when you actually wrote the book Anticipation, you went into a lot of details, and I do mean a lot of details. <laughs> yeah. Um, why did you get? Why did you choose to give the fans so much information about uh, Star Wars Episode One and its actual uh, hype growing and all that? Right. Um, well, yeah, I think that um, w one reason is like I felt that even as successful as the movie was, I felt like it really got sort of a bum rap, and, and I, I didn't have a problem with, um, you know, fans being disappointed, you know, some fans being disappointed, or, um, you know, negative reviews. What, what I had a problem with is the media would just basically, you know, lie about all the, all the statistics. They would say, you know, oh, the movie's been, you know, it hasn't been successful at the box office, or it should have done better, or, or none of the toys have sold, and I just kept on reading these articles, and then I would when I would dig deeper and find like Wall Street Journal articles or Variety articles, they would all have the facts to prove those wrong. And so I kind of felt like, um, you know, this this movie, even as successful as it's been, you know, needs some sort of defense. I mean, it, it's been, you know, it's been slandered basically in the media. And I, I felt like um, if I could give as many facts as possible and sort of um, write this, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say defense because I think it's also a good, um, like, nostalgia book. I, you know, I think it's a great way to look back and just kind of remember some of the things that, you know, you may have read, but you, you forgot about. I, I actually forgot about some of the stuff in my own book in between, uh, like, I hadn't read it for about a year before I decided to publish it again. And I was reading back and thinking, wow, I'd forgotten all this, you know? Like, I remembered the, the most basic stuff, but there were just so many interesting little things that happened around its release. I thought, you know, this is a movie that, um, you know, regardless of, like, its content even, really deserves a book about it because it's just, it was such a you know, incredibly weird phenomenon. Yeah, it was overhyped. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, I mean, the media, you know, like Lucasfilm tried to keep it pretty pretty low on the advertising and with pretty good reason because the media, you know, provided so much free advertising and hype that it was like, I mean, you could, basically a month before you couldn't pick up anything without seeing something about Star Wars. I mean, it was really incredible. I loved it as a fan, but I, I can understand how, you know, Probably there's people who just barely care about Star Wars and probably got annoyed by seeing Star Wars everywhere. I, I was in heaven. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, the thing I remember most was the Access Hollywood countdown. Oh yeah. Yeah, 100 days and, 100 and, count days and counting. Oh damn. 
That was insane. I, I also thought the I, I was also really surprised with um, USA Today having the 50-day countdown because I just didn't really think of USA Today as a, a sort of paper that, you know, I don't know, I just didn't think that they would really bother with something like that. And then it was like 50 days till Star Wars. And then, you know, every weekday from then on, it would say like, you know, 47 days or 38 days and they'd have like a little news item and there'd be like a daily um, blurb about like, here's some new fact about the new movie or about Star Wars in general. It was just incredible. I mean, you know, if you think about a 50-day countdown to, like, almost any other movie, it seems almost ridiculous. Like, 50-day countdown to Wedding Crashers, you know. Like, <laughs> it's a great movie, but, I mean, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't see it happen. <laughs> no. That's right. And you, we, we actually mentioned that you, 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 got, you gathered a lot of uh, articles from all around the world. Right. Uh, was it was it hard to actually gather these things and actually do the research for the book anticipation? Yeah, the the research. I mean, like a lot of it is really fun, but um, some of it can be a real pain. Like when you want to find some specific statistic that y you just have to have to support something, and you're looking all around and you can't find it, or you've got all the articles and you can't actually um, locate the article where it's in. Like you know you you know you uh, read it somewhere. Um, I have to mention that. For uh, future books, like, well, I, I use a Mac and they have a Spotlight, which you can just like search your whole hard drive for, you know, keywords. That has made writing so much easier because I used to have to open every document and you know look through it and be like, okay, it wasn't this one. And <laughs> I remember trying to find the uh, book sales statistics on um, the on the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the, the Zon trilogy, and I had a lot of trouble with that. I, I don't know why, but it doesn't seem like it's very easy to find book sales. They're not as easy as it should be, anyway. Yeah. Unless it's like Harry Potter, which is, in which case it's pretty easy because there's so many articles on it. There you go. It's the new book trend, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and back in those days, people really didn't care about books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. I mean, I thought that the Star Wars books had done well, but these, I mean, they sold like five million copies for the Thrawn trilogy, and you know that's I mean, what, the newest Harry Potter book has like. 12, 13 million copies in print? It's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> it was the beginning of a new era. <laughs> yes, yes. People actually can read, we find out. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you actually started about uh, the talking about the anticipation for The Phantom Menace with an, over, an overlook of the, the official Star Wars fan club at the time. Right. Do you think fans can actually expect such dark times to come back in the next few years? Um, boy, yeah, that, that's actually a really good question. Um, I, I hope not. I mean, I think that oh, I, I was certainly worried about that, you know, leading up to um, Episode 3's release. I, I was thinking in, you know, January, February, um, boy, you know, I can't wait to see the new movie. I, I've always thought that, you know, Episode 3 would, would be the best of the prequels just because everything has to go to a climax. And I thought, but it's going to be so weird, like, when it's over and, you know, there's we have all six movies, but, you know, is that going to be the end of Star Wars? And uh, when I went to Celebration 3, um, I really started thinking, uh, you know, with the announcement of the, the live-action TV show and also the, um, I guess it's going to be like a computer-animated 3D show or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I started thinking, you know, the, the, at least it looks to me like they really want to keep the franchise going. And yeah, I think, honestly, it, it doesn't depend just on Lucasfilm. Like, it depends on the fans. I mean, I know that for me, I want to keep, I want to be involved in Star Wars in the future, and yeah, I look forward to seeing what they can do with TV. I don't expect it to be, like, the greatest thing in the world, but as long as the TV shows are consistently, you know, fun and enjoyable, um, that'll certainly be another way to continue to enjoy Star Wars. So I think as long as the fans are still interested, um, Star Wars will still be around. 
I don't see those dark times quite coming back like that. <laughs> <laughs> not not as hard as they uh, as they were. No, yeah, because I think at the time it was more like I think Star Wars had. I don't want to say that it was a fad, but it, it almost was. Like it was eight years or so, and you know Star Wars was really big, and then it was over. And now once it's come back, it's pretty clear that Star Wars is just too much part of you know popular culture to just go away again. Hmm. There's always going to be Star Wars fans, and I don't think they're going to sell their lightsabers in favor of something else just yet. <laughs> Definitely not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, we actually mentioned this earlier, that you went into a lot of details right. for your book. Uh, one of, the, of these details was that Lucasfilm now actually owns all rights of distribution for the Star Wars movies. Right. Uh, since they actually officially claimed that they couldn't allow a marathon of movies showing all three pre prequels for the release of episode 3 for the exact exact opposite reason which was that they didn't own the rights of distribution of these three movies uh, would you actually know what happened? <laughs> oh, y you mean like um or, or is it actually a question of uh, they actually have the rights to all the three original movies but not the three prequels? Oh, like Lucasfilm? Or yeah, Fox? Lucasfilm um, well, Lucasfilm, I mean, Lucas actually owned, um, like, he owned the actual film for The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, because mm -hmm. he completely financed Empire, which yeah. I think was, like, a $22 million film or something like that. Which I guess at the time that was a lot. It was about double A New Hope. Um, but he, but Fox still owned A New Hope. So, um, if, like, with the special editions, um, you know, of course it was, like, a coordination uh, Lucasfilm and Fox were releasing them. But um, at that time, um, I guess that the, well, when they were planning anyways, uh, yeah, New Hope would be owned by Fox, and the next two were owned by uh, Lucasfilm. But then, um, as part of the negotiations to uh, give Fox the prequel so that, you know, Fox would get at least a distribution fee for the prequel trilogy, uh, which I understand to be about 10%. Um, I'm not sure if that held on episodes two and three, but I'm pretty sure. And uh, they Fox basically, you know, as a gesture of goodwill, gave a New Hope back to Lucas. Because it isn't really like they were going to be, um, you know, messing around with his film anyways. Like, that wouldn't be too popular, you know? Mm -hmm. I think Fox might not exist after a move like that. And they probably realized they weren't actually going to be able to use the film. I mean, they had none of the merchandising rights. Um, all they had is the the actual right to that film alone. So not it's not, like, especially useful compared to, you know, 10% cut of all the prequels. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're still in Portland, Oregon? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in Portland. And you're still uh, completing your bachelor for in uh, science in philosophy? Um, I finished my philosophy degree uh, at the end of March. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, it was <laughs> good to be done. <laughs> <laughs> and are you still hoping to go go to L.A. in uh, 2006? Uh, I am, yeah. I, I'm, I have a condo that's uh, it's like under construction a couple blocks from the Staples Center. Uh, I think it finishes around uh, April, so um, I'm not going to move down there uh, right away, but I'll probably move some stuff in and um, you know check the area out. So I'm definitely hoping to go to film school, though. Cool. All right. You um, you actually wrote the anticipation like a few years ago. Or actually, started writing it a few years ago. Right. Now, when you wrote it, was it a thesis for your uni for the university or something, or? Did you actually ever believe it could be turned into a profitable product such as it's now? Um, 
No, I, yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't involved with anything like school related. I. Uh, it was actually kind of tricky because I had to write it while doing homework and going to school. <laughs> I often brought like a draft of the book or at least some chapters to school, and like you know, I did some editing during um, break or lunch or after school, you know, anything like that. And it was funny because people would always, um, they would always ask me what it what it was, and you know, I would just say, well, you know, it's the book I'm writing. <laughs> And they were very surprised by that, because in high school, I mean, people just don't write books in high school, usually. It's not not a real common thing. It's like, oh, by the way, there's a party Friday night at John's. Yeah, yeah I'm writing my book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was safe to say I didn't exactly have much of a social life in high school. <laughs> I suppose, uh, you know, maybe I would be the typical Star Wars fan in that case. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, it definitely was, it was difficult trying to, you know, trying to fit it in. I, w- I would probably... A lot of times I get home at like maybe 3:30 and just say, "All right, I got two hours to write." Then I got you know five, six hours of homework to do, and then I'll be done with this. Um, I, I don't know. I always, I, I always had confidence that the book would eventually see publication. But I mean, because you kind of have to if you're going to put that much time into it, you, you know, you have to feel that eventually you'll get there. Um, you know, I just, I, I never thought it would take as long as it did, really. Um, you know, actually, it was kind of surprising because at the start, um, I was surprised. Honestly, like, it, it almost seemed too easy. Like, um, I read all these books on finding a literary agent and finding a publisher. And basically I heard that, you know, if you're a new author, it's almost impossible to find an agent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people search for years or, you know, decades or whatever, all this kind of stuff. And I submitted to 50 literary agents, and, like, two months later, I had, like, the top New York literary agent. And I just, I was completely blown away. I just thought, it doesn't... I, it can't be that easy. I mean, it just seems ridiculous. And so he went ahead with uh, a bunch of submissions to major publishing houses. And we just, uh, we waited around, and um, we just didn't have any luck. Like, I think I have these rejection letters sitting near my computer, actually. And I don't know, they're kind of motivating. I don't, and I'm not bothered by rejection letters. I think that they're actually kind of amusing, like, especially when, I think I had one here that said something like, we see this book appealing to a niche audience, and, you know, it's, you know, it's not going to be able to sell as many copies as our publishing house would like or something like that. And it just makes me think, you know, how much, how many billions does George Lucas have? I mean, what is that, Monopoly money? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, how could they act like there's not enough Star Wars fans, Star Wars books to sell? Every Star Wars book that's been authorized, anyway, has sold very well. So I I was pretty surprised. But at the same time, I mean, you could be dealing with editors who really just, just don't know. They don't like Star Wars, you know, don't really have any idea, so it, it got to take it with a grain of salt. It is very comical to actually hear uh, such kind of a reception from, from a publication house to a Star Wars book. I mean, you just look at the uh, the Star Wars crowd in general, and you'd think that these people would go, ooh, something that has Star Wars on it, let's go sell it. <laughs> uh, like, Okay, here's a funny one. This one's from Warner Books. Says, uh, we discussed this at editorial meeting this morning, but the group mind felt the book wasn't right for our list. That's the standard form response. Uh, we see it appealing to a small audience of real hardcore Star Wars completists, or possibly to a house that has a large list of film titles. Uh, and that's basically what you wrote. <laughs> All right. So I got some funny rejections. I, I like keeping them. I find them very amusing. <laughs> Doesn't Warner have a huge library of films? Um, yeah, actually, I think they do. It's <laughs> <laughs> a slight guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> which Yeah, which it, w- it would have been nice to find a major publisher, but you know, especially as a kid, especially when you're like, I don't know, I was 18 at the time. When you're 18, you get all kinds of dreams like, 
oh, you know, maybe a major publisher will sign me and I'll get like a $50,000 signing bonus or something. I mean, <laughs> crazy dreams like that. But, oh, well, you know. <laughs> you, actually, you actually did well. You, you, how did you end up with uh, iUniverse? Um, actually, yeah, this is kind of a funny story. I was doing a, I was doing a research project in uh, film and philosophy and w- with this professor, and it was, we were basically looking at critical reviews and how, um, but like basically if there's some sort of a standard that critics use to um, evaluate movies, and, and if they're really, uh, if they actually present that standard, if they tell audiences, you know, this is why this isn't a good movie, and, and this is something that they consistently do in each review. And so we happen to be talking about movies where um, basically the critics uh, either didn't agree or where um, critics expressed open resentment of the fact that, you know, a lot of people don't care what they think, <laughs> basically. And I cited uh, Phantomness as an example because I, I'd found reviews where the critic might say something like, although you probably don't care what I have to say, Phantomness is a lousy movie and you should sit home and watch something else or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I always found this really funny because it comes across as so bitter. Like, um, I was, although you're not going to listen to me, don't go see it anyways, you know. And so I happened to be thinking about that and... Um, for the research project, I had looked over my book again in my critical reviews chapter, and I don't know. I just like all of a sudden I just thought, boy, um, you know, if I publish this with iUniverse, I could actually have it out before episode three, and this may be the last, you know, best chance to actually get it out there and have you know fans be able to read it. And I thought, and otherwise, the thing's just sitting on my shelf. It's not really doing anyone any good. <laughs> I mean, so I thought, you know, maybe I could give this another reading. And actually, I had a I had 24 credits my last term at OSU, which was pretty ridiculous. Um, but I, I spent about eight days, and I finished reading and editing the whole thing um, for, like, I think about the 16th time, actually. And then that's when I decided to go ahead and publish it. Cool. Which was a very good decision. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. It's, it's, it's been nice. I mean, you know, even just seeing the book in print, like, you know, even though that sounds like a, like a vain thing or whatever, it, it was just really it was very gratifying for me because I thought, Boy, it's been so long. You know, I spent so long writing this and so long researching it. It's so great to actually see it, you know, in print. Yeah, the uh, the book in itself is very informative. Uh, it's not an entertaining book for 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 those people actually wandering out there. Right, it, right. It it could be entertaining to some people like me who have you know a little high on the inside and recognize some of the names that actually appear in these books <laughs> That's funny. and just actually you know take a, a look from someone else or from the other side of the border and it's very it's very interesting to see that you actually have a lot of mention about what happened here in Canada uh, a lot of mention about the Toronto Star for instance and uh, the, the John Ferry article which, uh, which was very much uh, struck down by Fox and Lucasfilm at the time oh I remember that yeah and uh what made you actually choose to write the book in that particular matter of informa- informative format? Oh, like, well, as far as, um, as far as what, like trying to include, um, like lots of different sources or? Yeah. Um, well, I kind of, I collected articles from so many places and I really thought, you know, I always think of Star Wars as, you know, kind of like a global phenomenon. So I really didn't want it. I didn't want to just have, for instance, the, you know, a North American box office chapter and act like, you know, the box office in the U.S. is like is the only thing in the world or something, you know. So I tried to include, you know, as as much data as I could from other countries. Um, you know, the, how much that's available is depends. I mean, there's just not a lot of box office data on on like Peru or Brazil. There's 
there's a little, <laughs> but you know, on the UK or on like Australia or um, uh, Japan, you know, there's there's quite a bit of data. So um, I, I try to make it as much as I could, like about um, Star Wars worldwide, and so that hopefully, um, you know, international readers and, and I have sent some copies to the UK um, would feel that you know it, it isn't like I don't know, it isn't US centered because I don't think Star Wars is, is is just a US phenomenon by any means. So. Of course, look at us. We broadcast <laughs> in French also, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually, I have a friend over in France right now, but I, I was very surprised. Uh, episode 3 has done quite well in France compared to even Phantomus, which, uh, you know, Phantomus had a great run overseas. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the Star Wars fandom in Europe actually grew a lot in the past six years. During the prequels, it's, yeah. It's yeah, amazing. It, yeah it, that seems to be true. Actually, what I was really surprised is um, back in... 99, um, Russia was uh, actually a pretty big territory, and uh, actually, I always, uh, always joke around because um, Russia was the only country where um, Phantomist beat Titanic, and so everyone, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, everyone is all big, like, we want to beat Titanic, and I was like, hey, in Russia, Phantomist did beat Titanic, and uh, then uh, I think it made about 2.2 million or so, and now, fast forward to today, and the box office in general in Russia has grown so much that episode 3 has made almost 10 million dollars in Russia. So it's it's really a it's a fast growing country there, as Did far as like you know people actually I don't know I don't know if I would want to say people being able to afford to see movies or just more movie theaters I'm not really sure what the uh, economic situation is but certainly um, they're getting more of our our film products. Did you see a difference uh, between countries, especially because the release date were different? Uh, so how the effect of the internet and people talking about the the movie and you know in France it came out like six or seven months after right. uh, the US it came back it, it came back it actually came out in October yeah you're right October yeah I, I was very surprised by that I mean the release strategy for Phantom was kind of um, it well it was kind of fun at the time because there was you know there's always openings so like you know, in the middle of the summer, I could still read Variety, and, you know, I could think, wow, that's really cool. Phantomus is just opening in this country, you know, even though it's been out here for quite a while. And so I always thought that was fun, but, you know, the market has changed so much in six years, it's, it's almost absurd. I mean, you know, Phantomus had a, a solid opening weekend, actually quite a good opening weekend for at the time. But today, we look at 64.8 million. It's not a very impressive opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time... Um, you know, making, like, Phantomness was around for so long, I mean, a movie that opens with $64 million opening weekend and clears $400 million, that's, that's not something you'd see today. Movies just don't do that. They pretty much make a lot of their money, and almost all their money in the first two or three weeks, and, you know, that's that's it. The, the new films come out and push them away. Even as successful as Episode three has been, it's still uh, not playing at my local theater anymore. I just got axed, I guess, last, last week, so that's kind of too bad. All right. It's a lot. In the book, sometimes you actually repeat a few uh, moments in, in terms of quoting uh, that, re- that that precede episode one, such as the casting announcement. Uh, why did why did you choose to actually put these uh, actual announcements in uh, text format and not in some sort of tables or grid? Oh yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I actually had somebody write me about. Um, you know how I should have used tables for uh, for charts for the box office chapters, and I, I mean I have to agree. I I could have certainly added those in. Um, it was kind of uh, 
I just I hadn't really had time to um, think about that much, and I thought, well, you know, it it seems pretty good. But if I, if I did do like a, I mean, this is a Star Wars we're talking about after all. If I did do a special edition re-release of the book, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind adding some charts and uh, some graphs to it. I think it would, you know, it'd, it'd be nice. Like maybe even at the back of the book, um, you could do like a little, uh, appendix thing. The, 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 the influence of George Lucas making a special edition. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talk about special editions now. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we're Star Wars fans. We know what those are. <laughs> We've seen a lot of them. <laughs> uh-huh. That's it. I, I love it when he's like, oh, you know, um, no, that's, no, that's it. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be changed any further. I'm like, I don't know. I'll believe it when he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh, see. Man, it. I, I remain skeptical. And yeah. even then, I'm like, I'm sure in his, in his will, you probably have something like, please make these changes to the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Technology becomes available. Please edit out this. No. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> That'd be funny. Please edit out Greedo shooting first, then make someone else in the end of the cantina shoot first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I, I thought that was, that's actually one of the funniest arguments to me. Like, because, you know, fans are so passionate about that. That like who shoots first thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was honestly like when that change was made, I was like I don't understand why it was made, but I don't really care that much. Like either way, like I'll be honest. I mean, I'm sort of like I still like Han. I'm always going to think of Han the same. So regardless of who shoots first, I was like I don't really care. I care. It's a bad idea. <laughs> See, I think it was a bad idea only in the sense that it didn't need to be changed. I I just don't really yeah. understand the point. I mean, exactly. I didn't understand the reasoning. Like oh, let's change this because then. Han won't seem so cold-blooded. Like, what are you talking about? The guy's training a gun on him. He should have <laughs> shot him immediately. Yeah. It seems so artificial when he shoots, yeah. uh, when Greedo shoots. That, that's, for me, that's the, the bad thing about it. Yeah. It, it I mean, seemed cheap. <laughs> I, the only thing I can think of is that I, I don't think that, I hope anyways, I, I hope that they don't really, they weren't trying to make it look like Greedo shoots and misses. Because my mm-hmm. interpretation had to be that Greedo must... Um, shoot just to scare Han or something because there's mm-hmm. no way you'd miss from two feet away I'm that's surprised. it you couldn't be that bad of a shot you can't be worse than stormtroopers so. <laughs> yeah that, that's a good point that's right <laughs> it's so funny how like you know the stormtroopers like either they'll never hit or if they do hit then it has to be in some like uncritical area <laughs> when they fall down oh they hit <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> so as you mentioned to us, the book actually sat, well, the manuscript actually sat on the on your shelf for quite a long time. Right. Uh, why did you choose to only write the book about episode one and not wait, like, for now or maybe six months from now and actually book on the entire prequels? Right. Um, well, at the time I had written it, um, when I first started working on it, I thought, uh, this, you know, this movie deserves... A book, and I and I also kind of envisioned it as like a as like a three book series, you know, one about each prequel, and that kind of that, that didn't work out like I thought really. I mean, at this point, I'm uh, researching my sequel to Anticipation, which um, will basically just be about episode three. But in a way, um, I was trying to think about how to do this because I really don't think that uh, as much as I personally really enjoyed episode two, um, you know, the level of hype was so much less that. There just couldn't be a whole book on episode two. I mean, I think there could be. A, I think you write ninety pages, a hundred pages, maybe a hundred and forty. But I don't. I don't see it being any any book size work. Um, so what I was thinking of for my sequel is just to uh, basically write a long introduction, maybe twenty twenty five pages, and that would bring readers from after Phantom Menace right up to uh, Revenge of the Fifth. 
And so the introduction would sort of serve as the, um, you know, here's what episode two contributed, and, you know, here's, uh, you know, it's important milestones or this and that. And then the book would basically focus on Revenge of the Sith. Um, so, you know, I hadn't thought of writing, like, one book about all of them. Uh, I think I would have probably had to go into less detail if I did that. But I'm, I think that this will work out pretty well just because I think there's enough with Revenge of the Sith. Like, it was... Um, actually, I was surprised by the huge amount of media attention. Um, so I, I think this will probably yield a pretty good sequel, I hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I thought the... Uh The, mo- the marketing for episode 1 was overkilled and that for Attack of the Clone they learned about that so it was really t- toned down but for Revenge of the Sith they came out full uh, full cannon blowing uh, shooting with the, the marketing and it was almost like episode 1 leading to my next question what did you think about the media coverage for episode 2 and 3 um Well, I, I thought, like, I guess I was really disappointed by the media coverage for episode two, and I, I was also, um, I think it, this is this is true that um, basically Lucasfilm felt that they had been sort of burned by the hype for episode one. I mean, of course, it, it did very well, so I don't mean burned financially, but I think they thought that it, it got a little overcooked, and and it really, I mean, to their, you know, to their defense, like they didn't, they had a tiny, tiny marketing budget for Phantom Menace, but. The media just ran with it, and, you know, every single cover would be a phantomist. And it was almost like, okay, free publicity is good, but I'm sure they must have been thinking, we, we don't want that much free publicity, or, you know, there's going to be a hype backlash. And so for episode two, I think they really toned it down as far as the, uh, the marketing goes, uh, almost to, a, um, to, like, too low of a point. Like, I think that I, I thought that they got it right for episode three because it seemed like... Um, You know, episode one, too much. Episode two, not enough. And episode three was like, ah, oh, they finally got it, you know. Like, there was enough advertising so that people were aware of it. And they, you know, the whole last Star Wars movie ever kind of thing. Um, but I think episode two, sort of like, as much as a Star Wars movie that made $300 million in the U.S. could, it, it almost was like under the radar. Like, it was just sort of felt like any other blockbuster, which I found pretty disappointing. I, um... I just would have thought that it would, you know, it would be a bigger deal, but there wasn't as much media coverage as I would have thought. Indeed. Um, you have over, well, you have about 32 pages of bibliography in yeah. the book. It's long. <laughs> I think I've got a solution for that in the next book. www.google.com Yeah, I'm thinking of the next book is going to have a select bibliography and it's only going to be maybe, you know, three or four pages and then I'm seriously thinking about even though I don't see this done a lot I don't really see why not um, I'm thinking about just putting a link um, in the book to a website address of mine that has like a full bibliography Mm -hmm. because, you know, basically readers end up paying for each page of the book, you know Yeah. So if if I could make it like 30 pages shorter because it doesn't have a full bibliography, but people could still access the bibliography information really easily, um, it might work better. Of course, then you get into the issue that some people say, yeah, but if it's printed in the book, it's more permanent, and if it's online, it isn't. I, I personally don't agree with that because if I'm running the website on my server, it's going to be pretty permanent. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> still, it, it is a compromise. It's sort of like... Do readers re- does the average reader really want to pay two dollars extra because it has a full bibliography, or would they rather get two bucks off and you know get just a select bibliography with you know some uh, with, with some link to the full? So. 
know. All right. Um, where can fans actually buy your book? Um, it's for sale on Amazon.com, and that's that's a pretty easy way. But also through um, iUniverse.com, uh, which is the the publisher's website. That might be an easier way, just because, um, like, if you just go to the iUniverse.com and you go to their uh, bookstore, all you have to type is anticipation. I'll take you like right to the book. Um, and not to mention, I I mean, I think I love Amazon. I use Amazon all the time, but. I have heard at least one or two people who had difficulty getting it from Amazon. Like it was, I guess there was some shipping delays, but also Barnes and Noble, uh, com sells it. And if somebody wants to pick it up at a local bookstore, um, any bookstore can special order it. So, uh, they, they won't actually have it, but, you know, if you just request it, then they'll be able to order it. All right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. <laughs> Quite a few ways for the fans to actually get that book. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to post right now in the chat room for the fans who are with us right now the link to the iUniverse uh, bookstore. Sure. And it's uh, 1995, paperback 6x9. It was published in April 2005 by Jonathan L. Bowen. <laughs> Although the cover on iUniverse is different of the one I got. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, they should actually redo the cover. Is, which, um, is there actually a special edition kind of cover thing that <laughs> we should be? I should have been like more careful with it, and now I'm going to pay the price in the future. No, actually, that's a really funny. It, it is. I was laughing about that myself because it is sort of like a special edition cover. Basically, what happened is um, I ordered my books, and they sent them to me, and I opened them up, and I and I loved the cover. I thought it was really well done. And the first edition, I think the one you guys got, had um, a slanted uh, title, yeah. and which I thought was kind of cool, just because you never really see that done. And so I thought, this is kind of neat. This sort of like draws attention to the book, like if it was in a store shelf. Um, but then uh, what happens, I looked on the back, and it was supposed to say uh, Editor's Choice, because iUniverse has this program where basically um, an independent reviewer looks through the book and makes sure that you know, this isn't some book like riddled with, you know, grammatical errors, typos, or factual inaccuracies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they make sure it reads well and all this kind of thing. And I think it's about one in seven iUniverse books is given the Editor's Choice Award after um, uh, editorial review board decides based on the independent reviewer's commentary. So um, my book did win the Editor's Choice, but then I, I got the copies of the book and it didn't say anything on the, you know, on the back jacket about that. So I emailed my uh, publishing service associate person, and she's like, um, oh, well, you know, you have to have won this and blah, blah. And I said, I did win it. Like, let me get you the email where you sent it to me. And so I sent it back, and she says, oh, yeah, that's right, you did. Well, <laughs> you know, our graphics department, you know, screwed it up. And um, sorry about that. And it's like, sorry about that. I just ordered 250 copies of this book with, you know, with a, a mistake, basically. And I said, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Um yeah, I'm not going to like put up a big stink, but you guys need to redo the cover, and you need to you know, put the Editor's Choice thing on. And for some reason, when they decided to add the Editor's Choice, they also decided to redo um, the cover text without my permission, um, which I, I'm okay with. It looks still really good. But I just got it, and I thought, um, why exactly did they do this? I mean, I didn't ask. I didn't say anything about that, so they just created more work for themselves, basically. <laughs> oh, well. But it came out looking pretty good, I think. Oh, yeah. Both editions are cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Alright, well, we'll have to take, like, this one and, like, take Laminate it. it. Yeah, just do something <laughs> it's good. It's a special original now, you see. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first edition. That's right. Um, but they actually both have a quote that I love very much, which actually is from someone, from a Canadian. Yeah. It's uh, from John Bailey, the famous player, player's president. Oh, right. Uh, and he's actually talking about the Surround EX uh, system. And he said, Surround EX ensures that our guests will continue to have the best and most thrilling out-of-home entertainment experience possible. Now, don't you love the way they basically tell people, you know what, we really couldn't get Star Wars unless we got that Surround EX system, <laughs> so now we got it, so please come and see the movie or we're <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you have uh, Sebastian had some run-ins with uh, that guy, I think. For uh it was actually Jim Cherry from uh, okay. Alliance. Okay, but close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but the the the, the to, to give an uh, uh, an actual uh, idea to the folks uh, listening to us right now, the uh, the de- the kind of details you can find in the books uh, is that the Dolby Surround X made twelve millions twelve million dollars for Dolby Labo- Laboratories on sales of. 4,600 Surround EX adapters, uh, as reported by Variety on October 19th, a year after the format's introduction. Now, this, with that kind of information, we can actually uh, take like a little calculator and count down that for an actual Dolby Surround EX, it's something around $3,000 for one theater. Really, yeah. So... I'm just wondering why don't I have one in my living room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a pretty good surround system, but uh, well, we have a we have a home theater down like in the basement. Yeah. And uh, oh, it's watching Star Wars in there is so cool. Like, and when I say home theater, I don't mean like you know like a plasma screen, which I have in my room here with like a you know speaker setup, which is great too. I I love that. But we have like a projection based um, mm. home theater with like cool. eight actual theater seats, and it's got like Huge subwoofers and speakers like built into a sand, you know like a padded wall, so cool. the sound doesn't bounce off. The room was designed specifically for that, so it's really like watching Star Wars there is so cool. It's almost the Death Star Theater from uh, uh, yeah. from Lisa Stevens. <laughs> of Lisa Stevens. Yeah. I, I just can't wait to uh, you know have all six movies on DVD and just go down there at like well I guess whatever time I'd have to like 10 a.m. and just sit there the whole day and watch every Star Wars movie. <laughs> I've, I've been looking that. forward to that for like a long time, probably since I've heard about the prequels. <laughs> That's right. Well, I know someone who did it actually. Nice. <laughs> it was he. He who's burnt out by the end. <laughs> Completely burnt out. <laughs> so, here's one last question for you. Sure. On your website, it actually says that you watched Phantom Menace in theaters. 50 times over the course of its theatrical run. <laughs> yeah. Is that the accurate number, or is it more around like 51 or 53? Um, it was actually 50, but it was, um, I mean, te- technically it was 50 and a half, um, basically because one of the showings um, just after, I think it was just, yeah, it was just after the pod race, um, the, the theater just cut out. I mean, the print wouldn't work, and I think what they said is, I can't remember, it was, it was a while ago, but I think what they said is that the projector light bulb burn out and then basically um so we're we're all sitting there and they're like oh we're gonna get a fix and all this and so they come in a couple times and you know 45 minutes later we're still sitting there and the manager comes in and is basically like well we got the projector light bulb fixed but um you know 
the next showing in this theater is starting at, you know, so-and-so time, and so there's really not time for us to finish this showing. Um, so you guys can just, you know, come back another time. And I thought, man, I'm so glad that this isn't the first time I saw it, because that's so rude. It's like basically <laughs> screw your current customers, and the ones who are going to show up next, you know, they're the ones because, you know, they'll get to pay again. And then not only do they not give you a refund, but this is Regal. I love Regal Cinemas. They're, they're awesome. <laughs> Insert sarcasm. Right. And they're like, okay, well, we won't give you a refund, but we'll give you a free movie ticket where you can come back and see a movie. It's like, you know what? I really should get three or four free movie tickets for having sat there, watched half the movie, and had to drive to the theater and back from the theater and sit in the theater for 45 minutes staring at a blank screen mm-hmm. while they tried to fix it. Yeah. The least they could have done is given us at least an extra free movie ticket for our time. But, you know, that's customer service is not always theater specialty. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, apparently not. So I, I figured that, that, you know, it's true I've seen it, I saw it 50 times in theaters, but I figured if somebody else had seen it exactly 50, I should hold the tiebreaker for having seen it 50 and a half. <laughs> I thought Sebastian's, well, what? did saw it. I, much, I actually saw it 26 times. Wow. And around here in Quebec, I'm like, well, so far, the, the, ti- the title av- hasn't been claimed by anyone else than me. Nice. Um, but I must admit, I, I bow in respect in <laughs> the 50 times. That's it's nice. Twice <laughs> the number you have. I'm going to have to go see Revenge 60 times. <laughs> I feel that I've let the fan community down in Revenge of the Sith count. It's not nearly as impressive. Yeah, so well, I was going for breaking my record, which was 54 with Attack of the Clones. Okay. And uh, and that actually was more impressive because Attack of the Clones just honestly didn't play in theaters for even close to as long as Phantom Menace. Yeah. At least not at the major ones. And uh, I got I somehow got to 54 as it was kind of insane. Um, I think my last one was the uh, the IMAX showing. Okay. And with uh, Revenge of the Sith, I was going to try to get to 55, but. I just didn't. I I couldn't really do it. I'm I'm at 24. I'm hoping to get the 25th viewing, um, at least. Damn. <laughs> so you actually saw Attack of the Clone 40, uh, 54 times. <laughs> well, yeah. I w- see, what would have been cool is um, let's see. I saw the special editions nine total times, which isn't a lot, but I think it was uh, three A and H, and then um, two for Empire and four for Jedi, which you know. Ignore that. That you know, I was 14, so I still liked Return of the Jedi better than Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think most younger kids might, but you know, <laughs> it kind of worked out that way. And what would have been really cool is to get to like 200 total Star Wars viewings. That's still my goal one day. Maybe like when we have the 3D, you know, re-releases or something, I can um, prop my number up a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still hope in 2007 for the six film marathon. So it's six film. In one seating, so you can try uh, beat your record there. You, you want to go for a joint Guinness Book of Records uh, <laughs> record there? Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> sitting That's in the theater like a week, a week without like sitting off and rolling yeah. on and on. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I bet you Sebastian could do it. Oh yeah. I don't know that that's the kind of. I mean, <laughs> some of these records, it's like, wow, you know. Um, See, I think this is really cool, and some other Star Wars fans think this is really cool. But you tell a normal person that you saw a movie like 50 times, and <laughs> they think you're certifiably insane. <laughs> I mean, especially girls. Like, I won't even mention that. You know, it's I just won't say anything. Maybe if I've been dating her for a couple months, then 
she'll eventually find out. But see, it's much better now that I've actually written a book because I can say, oh, you see, I was like, I was doing research. I had to see it that many times, and you know, um, it's really just, you know, it's all part of the work. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which, of course, isn't true. But you know, I was 16. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I was just a dumb kid. You know, I was 16. And she's like, but you saw the last movie 25 times, and that was just a couple weeks ago. I'm like, well, shut up. <laughs> I was supposed to say I was still a it was dumb good, kid. all right? <laughs> all right. Well, now's the time for uh, the infamous liner. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So should I save it? <laughs> you you go whenever you're ready. Okay. Hi, this is Jonathan L. Bowen, the author of Anticipation, the real-life story of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantomness, and you're listening to Star Wars on Direct. Good. Uh, That's very good. Maybe just a second time, a uh, little slower. Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is Jonathan L. Bowen, the author of Anticipation, the real-life story of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantomness, and you're listening to Star Wars on Direct. That cool. is... Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, is there anything that is uh, coming up in the uh, future that we should look look out for? Um, well, I, I did contribute a chapter to uh, this upcoming uh, Star Wars book. Let me try to open this file. Um, it's by the editors who did uh, Jacking into the Matrix, which is sort of, um, I think it was like a you know cultural look at the Matrix uh, series and like you know religious connections and all this kind of thing. And okay. so I'm contributing a chapter on Star Wars and religion, sort of like Taoist, uh, uh, Buddhist, and um, Christian ties, like between the saga and uh, uh, with a focus on Revenge of the Sith, actually, because you know it's the least written about film, uh, at, you know, at this time since it's so new. Mm-hmm. And I guess here's the the title of the book is going to be uh, Finding the Force in the Star Wars Franchise: Fans, Merchandise, and Critics, and that will be by the Peter Lang Publishing Group. I think it's coming out next year, but it's still still a little ways off. Nice. So, so seems to be interesting. So we'll try to have you back and a few of the co-writers as well. Yeah, that might be really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could probably ask some of the other people to be on there. But uh, yeah, you never you never know. Like these are scholars writing about Star Wars. I think I'm the only like I don't mean to say this like in a rude way, but I think I'm like the only fan. The actual fan, yeah. <laughs> contributing to the book is you know sometimes like. I, I hope I get a chance actually to look over the book before they publish it because I was looking over the um, contributor guidelines and the uh, one of the editors had the title of uh, <laughs> Episode 2 wrong. Like it said, uh, Star Wars Episode 2, The Clone Wars. And Oops. I had to send him and be like, uh, that's not the title of the film, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, it's okay. It's an honest mistake. I mean, he was he was he he said he was just watching the uh, cartoon show, so yeah. that's why he made the mistake. But... As a Star Wars fan, I can, you know, help with those minor details. <laughs> of course. We are pretty much into these kind of minor details. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and for some reason, more especially when it comes to background characters. Yeah, it matters, you see. <laughs> I'm still looking forward to the... Uh, I, I really hope Master of this makes a Boba Fett, like, blaster, you know. I mean, that Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> they forgot about that. Well, if 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 you all go to uh, www.anticipationbook.com and into the author bio section, you can actually see right behind uh, Jonathan uh, the uh, set of Django Fett uh, yeah. blasters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good collectible. I just got uh, I got the Sarah Wilkinson um, painting framed. It was the 
I, I'm not sure if you guys checked out the the Star Wars Celebration three um, prints that the artist made. Yes, we were there. <laughs> I I actually own that. Uh, I, sir, yeah, I do. I actually own a print of uh, of Sarah. Oh, of Sarah Wilkinson. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, so I I got the uh, print and I, I framed that next to the original, which I bought from her. So oh. I thought that was like that's one of my only originals, but I think it's a really cool. They are. It is so great. Like, I mean, the print is really good, but what's amazing is, like, when you look at the original, it just looks so vibrant, you know? I mean, I don't usually see originals. I just see, like, prints of things. And I thought, oh, so this is why people get originals. This looks so good. <laughs> but she's very nice. I'm a very, very talented artist. Very, very ta- talented artist. Yeah, for sure. So, for those who actually would like to have more information about Sarah Wilkinson, I'm just going to copy a little... <laughs> She's a very nice girl, honestly, guys. Oh yeah. And uh, she she's actually Passive. one she's actually one of the first who actually uh, made up um, uh, one of the uh, cover art for Ella Secure. So, right. Yeah. She was the one in the uh, in the main uh, store floor. Uh, That's right. Just just in diagonal from the Del Re- from the Del Rey booth. Okay. Yeah. Star Wars Shop Del Rey. Yeah. I think I think I think she was like behind the 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 the, the Star Wars shop. No, in diagonal or yeah. s- whatever, somewhere in that yeah. area. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it does. That's right. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, well, is the, if uh, there is a celebration four, will you be there? Oh, I will be there. I've been to all three. I can't wait for four. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I actually was at the. Um, I managed to sneak into the uh, Lucasfilm party after uh, celebration Ooh. three. It was like Sunday night. Um, Kind of like a crazy story, but I was staying at the same hotel, I was on the same floor, and right across from my room, uh, they were having a Lucasfilm party. And so, uh, my mom actually notified me of this, because she had seen people, like, walking in and out. And I walk outside, and it's like, you know, there's Ray Park, and here's Kenny Baker, and, you know, there's all these people uh, just walking into the room. And, like, I was just standing outside, and Ray Park comes up, and... He's like, hey, man, how's it going? He's, like, shaking my hand. I don't know. He must have thought I was actually with the party or something. <laughs> but he's a really nice guy. And so then I'm just standing outside because obviously I'm not invited actually into the party. And, and I'm talking to this guy, and um, Steve Sansweet's assistant comes out. And he's, like, I finished talking to this guy, and he says, uh, do you know who this is? And I said, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, who is it? And he says, well, that was, that's Lauren Peterson, you know, head model maker at, at Industrial Light Magic. I was like, wow, that's really cool, because I had, like, a 15-minute conversation with Lauren Peterson. <laughs> which is totally, you know, it's totally random. It was just about, like, the weather and, you know, how he liked Celebration 3 and things like that, really. But uh, then they ended up kicking these guys out because of noise complaints. So they they had to move the whole party to the lobby. And, of course, you know, my hotel, too, you know, I'm, I'm staying there, so I just go down to the lobby <laughs> and start hanging out with, like, all these Lucasfilm people. And uh, Amy Allen was there, which was, you know, which which was nice. <laughs> it was a highlight. And uh, I ended up talking to um, quite a few people. I, I talked to Bay Ling for about 15 minutes. But she was sitting, she was just like sitting there all alone. <laughs> so of course you want to keep her company. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was the all, you know, it, it wasn't selfish reasons or anything. No, just kidding. <laughs> that, that poor center that has been cut from episode three. It, yeah, exactly. I thought it was really funny, too, because I have a poster now, uh, Signed by it, it was Matt Bush's Star Wars Celebration three print, and it's signed by like 15 people, and one of them is Bay Ling. And I, and I was joking around, not with her, of course, but with uh, other Star Wars fans later. I was like, man, I found out she's not even going to be in the movie. 
I don't even want her signature on my poster now. She's not even in it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course, because, I mean, I'm sure we'll see a deleted scene with her. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we will. It, it'll, it'll be okay. But, yeah, I actually got to talk to Steve Sansweet and, you know, got his home address and sent him a copy of my book. So that was pretty cool. It was just, like, one of those complete chance meetings and, you know, basically crashed the Lucasfilm party and <laughs> strange things can happen. Which hotel were you staying at? The Marriott? Um... I guess I guess that was it. Yeah, I I can't even remember. But yeah, it was at the Marriott. I do it believe it was the Marriott. Yeah, uh, on the corner. Um. Yeah, like the one they had a downstairs. They had that sports bar. Yeah, that's it. It's the Marriott. But where the fan four fan four sporty was, right? Yeah, four four. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, but you guys had to stay at the Hilton, right? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. You were at the Westin. It well, was really funny though too because there, there were some. Couple of, there was like one or two other crashers there. The guys from Master Replica were actually like, at the no, West. Like we were invited. Like we were just like, oh yeah, you know, we're yeah we're the Lucas song, whatever. <laughs> it was just great. So I'm wow. sure Sebastian will email you to have more detail about that party. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I just want to say that at at C Trek we actually had a party with uh, that was sponsored by Balls. The energy drink, oh, yeah. and we actually lasted till six thirty the next morning, <laughs> without any noise complaint whatsoever. Really? And we had about thirty people in a two-people bedroom. These, yeah, this is like the, a couple bedrooms. Trust me, these look some people. They were noisy as hell. They were all getting totally wasted. No, just kidding. <laughs> 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 but there was, I was surprised too. Like everyone was there, and uh, gosh, what's his name? Um. Um, Jay Lagaya was there, like the MC of you know Celebration mm-hmm. Three, and it was funny because I just I was like, hey, great job! But I, I think I called him Jay because his last name. Yeah, I'd usually say like Mister, you know, I would be like all formal, but <laughs> I didn't want to like mispronounce his last name, so I was like, um, hey Jay, great job at Celebration Three, and he's like, he has no idea who I am, of course. He's just like, oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> 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 oh well. The fun stories of celebrations that. That 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 were and that will be are promising to be uh, most likely a subject of your next book. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be writing about Celebration Three in the next book. <laughs> cool. Do you think you could actually write about the Star Wars fandom phenomena? Um, as far as like, uh, as far as like getting into more of, um, you know, how Star Wars fans. I don't know Contribute to uh, the hype And whatnot. not How Star Wars fans are Why they're Star Wars fans And like that Honestly I don't think anyone else But you could actually Do it the right way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I, I, I would like to um, I would like to do that Like I, I would like The tone of the second Of the sequel To be a little different A little more um, hmm, I don't know Like the first one Is filled with You know A ton of great facts And is very uh, Very straightforward And I would like this I would like the sequel To Kind of get into some of those um, other areas a little more, especially now that I have some more connections. Like I, I know more webmasters, and mm-hmm. um, it would be really fun, I think, to to do that. So we'll nice. see how it goes. But that's right. Well, thank you very much for being with us on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And uh, we'll most likely talk to you again when the next book comes out. <laughs> that would be great. Whenever that will be. <laughs> hopefully not too long. <laughs> and well, you're, you're invited you as well. You're invited to come on the show anytime. Okay. So feel free to drop by any comments in the forums at tsfpn.com or starwars.com and the blog or wherever. Okay, sure. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Okay, great. Sounds good. Have a nice day. Thanks. You too. Bye.
So this was Jonathan L. Bowen, the writer and the author of uh, Anticipation, the Real Life Story of Star Wars, Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Hey, Brian. What's up? Is it just me, or Sebastian seems to be jealous? Oh, fuck, shut up. (laughs) 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 I ran the bus stop, and it it hurts when I laugh. (laughs) Stop making me. I'll keep uh, tickling you. Oh. Now, get that foot out of there. (laughs) Which will most likely be misinterpreted by most people (laughs) who just heard that. Anyhow, um, yeah, that's it. The the book Anticipation, as I was saying earlier, is uh, a lot of information about the entire uh, hype of that surrounded Star Wars Episode 1. A lot of media coverage is actually stated in there. Uh, as part of the research that was made, as we as we learned, like thirty binders of three inches each. each. Imagine if he had done episode two and three at the same time. The the quantity of of material documents he would have would have been unprecedented. It's 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 incredible. Um, it's really nice to see that the uh, the book is not only about the U.S. but like really throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned like. Canada earlier and the Toronto Star uh, but there's also a lot of other mentions of other places in the world uh, such as Tokyo for instance and it's very informative so for all of those like freaky fans like me don't be afraid or ashamed to admit it uh, it's a lot of really nice information for you to actually like get onto and read about and in all honesty to to, to get more like information about the uh, THX and uh, Dolby Surround EX systems and all that. That was very interesting and informative. So cool. That's. I will uh, have to read it. I, I would recommend. <laughs> 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 and that he's not nearly as as freaky geek as I am. But uh, the book is really really good, and I'm really sorry I damaged the cover a little bit, Danny. No problem. I'll keep that one. But because it's uh, a first. It's uh, a first, first edition. Original edition. Yeah. Uh, okay, there you so go. It's not gonna change the contents. No, no, but, but you it's know, it's the cover. It's special. It's variations. <laughs> it's all about variations in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> you know. So there you go. Uh, thank you very much, Jonathan, for being on the show with us. Yeah. And uh, answering all of our incredible questions about this book. But um, yeah, very good book. Very nice. Uh, very nice literature to to add to your Star Wars collections. Uh, 1995 is a really good price for all the information that actually is into that book. So, do we have any comments in the chat? I don't believe we do. Besides people, people who want to buy the book? <laughs> other than people saying it was a great interview and they want to see the book. Or they want to read the book, rather. Which is great, because it's a good book. For the tenth time. <laughs> the... Uh, there doesn't seem to be any comment on the Star Wars blog. Let me just refresh. Nope. Most of the pe- of the people didn't read the book, so giving comments about the book isn't uh, is a little. If people want to give comments on our messages once they've read them, mm-hmm. it will be our pleasure to come back on that subject. Exactly. In the f- or just leave a show. comment on his website. That's right. You can go to www.anticipationbook.com. For more information about the book itself and the author as well, there's a real nice picture of of him in the author bio section. 
He reminds me of a Star Wars character. I I cannot. I, One of the few times. <laughs> I got Phantom Menace. Rack. I, I know uh, it's like fifty-two times Phantom Menace, fifty-four Attack of the Clone, and twenty-five Bruce. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Revenge of the Sith un- until now. Damn. Yeah, I saw it three times Revenge of the Sith in theaters. Same. And that's total for me. I know, me too. I know, I mean. Including the non-theatrical showings. Uh, I don't know anything about those. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Non-theatrical. How is that even possible, Danny? You speak a lot of bullshit. (laughs) You guys are just full of it. Alright, well, I just want to mention the fact, because... I I haven't I've been so busy I didn't actually get to to do that in the past shows. I want to mention the fact that uh Sarah Wilkinson's site is actually up and running. Uh back around the time of uh, of Celebration 3 it was still under construction, but it is now up and running and uh, you can actually go to her website to uh see all of their all of her Bio and all of what she actually participated in, and don't be frightened by the uh, the opening page. Uh, it's just an opening page. The person in herself is really nice, and uh, hopefully we'll eventually have her on the show because she's a great Star Wars artist, and she would make a really great Mary Jane. For those of you who want to who want to know, I'm, like all the guys are just go to the, are going to go to that website, www.sarahwilkinson.net. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, make sure not to bust her uh, her bandwidth. <laughs> That's funny. So <laughs> I will have to make a new Ride That Jedi T-shirt. Will you just shut up about this already? <laughs> All right. So the next show will be next week, and that will be August second, two thousand five. Already, and there is SFX coming up at the end of this month. With Kenny Baker and Matthew Woods, who are going to be there, that's going to be cool. So Brian, yeah, don't talk about it. Will you be working, or will you be coming there? No, you will have to practice uh, how to broadcast from your laptop. I can broadcast from my laptop. Okay, I I don't need an external sound card. I do to plug in the mics, but that's it. My thing is software. Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The sexiness of the Mac. Or at least just get interviews. <laughs> sexiness of the <laughs> There he goes. Actually, uh, I, I, I'm just going to drop in and mention the fact that we're looking into uh, renting a suite of that is actually a total of three rooms for SFX. So if you actually be interested in coming down to the Metro Toronto Convention Center from August 26th to the 28th uh, and staying there for two nights... Contact us uh, by uh, studio at swendirect.com, and uh, I'm sure we can find you some crash space. And don't forget that the more we are, the less uh, the less we're gonna have to pay. And people, the three rooms together, it's huge. Yes, it would be a huge studio. Yep, and we're gonna have lots of booze. <laughs> lots of babies. <laughs> well, actually, we might have some of uh, leftovers from T Trek. Awesome. At a party. You as guys a, didn't finish it? As long as Dude. it's not pizza. <laughs> 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 That's gonna follow me forever. <laughs> yeah, it will. Something to actually put into, like, 
Jonathan's next book is like some fans even went to the extreme of actually eating food three days old <laughs> because they wanted to, sh- to, 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 to save as much money as possible or because they were just too broke to buy new food but he really <laughs> needs to interview us if you do uh, uh, a new book yeah you're just trying to get in <laughs> yeah Well, we're into a, fr- a French book, so why not a one of them? Yeah, that's true. We, we we'll have to know talk about it at some point. Yeah. So are you done reading it yet? <laughs> are you done reading no. it? No. <laughs> Should I borrow it now? <laughs> yeah, you can. I'll tr- no, I'll try and see if I can find myself a copy. Okay, so Tuesday, August second, will be most probably about Darkness One, the Joiner King. Mm, most probably not, but. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I was saying most probably trying to put some more pressure on Danny, but Dan, it, I it, it really is a brick, and he just got it today. And I, if I had the weekend to read it, Maybe. it would be. But I, And even then. Beginning Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I, I'm not here. So, What time does chapters close tonight? Uh, 11. 11? Okay, well, I'm going with you then. I'll go buy the book, and I'll try and read it as well. At least I can follow up on that st- on that on that on that series instead of. You will be like all fucked up because it's all N- NGO characters. Smashing's fault. Dude, shut NGO. up. <laughs> 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 That's what the time tales were for. <laughs> Stop making me laugh. <laughs> It hurts. Hurry up, Smash. So if you have any comments about the show or that you would like to make suggestions for upcoming subjects, please send an email to studio at swendirect.com or leave a message on our blog and or message boards. Uh, to be a partner or a sponsor, send an email to info at swendirect.com. If you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself. Word to mouth is, after all, the best publicity we can have by our listeners. Bring a friend to the next show, add our URL to your message board, signatures, etc., etc. Like take a second to thank our sponsors, FederationToys.com, Sitland.net, our web host simple-net.ca, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network at TSFPN.com, which actually hosts our new uh, boards, our partners, HanikinAndHisAngel.com, Nerf-Herder-Anonymous.net, the largest collection of Star Wars references and actors, FurryConflict.com, Trek Wars, the Furry Conflict Dojo Drama. Millennium Falcon and Galactic Hunter who are still keeping collectors on target T-Bone Star Wars Universe and the Galactic Senate Message Boards available at StarWarsWithAZ.com and of course StarWarsFanWords.com the home of Star Wars Fan Audio all these links are available in partner sections of our in the partner section of our website Danny Uh, I already said it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. You can continue to go to tfsfpn.com. It's our new home for our message board. We have more detailed thread there if you want to participate uh, in the show. So I suggest you go there and subscribe. And you can also, you know, uh, subscribe to other podcasts that are listed there. There are a bunch of great ones. I would suggest the Daily Source Code uh, or Podfinder if you want to find out all about the new ones. Cool. That's my suggestion. Adam Curry is a great podcast guy. All right. Well, for all the crew here at Star Wars on Direct, this is Sebastian saying, see you next time on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. This show has been brought to you by SimpleNet. Webmasters, online gamers, or administrators of e-business. At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs.
You are listening to Star Wars en direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Sure to visit www.swandirect.com for more information about upcoming shows. <laughs> 